0: Welcome to Dragon Talk. How are you guys doing today? I'm Woo! Greg Tito. Woo!
1: Greg Tito! Hello! What's going on? Hi, Shelley. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you?
0: I am rocking and rolling while also being completely sad hmm. because I uh, recorded an interview without you.
1: How dare you?
0: Me and Satine Phoenix, well. we're talking to Fiona Staples, an amazing illustrator, comic book World's, you know, taken by Storm by her comic book, Saga, uh, which she co-created with Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, it's amazing. I was telling you about it just before we started doing yep. this, but it is a great comic book. It's got uh, uh, robots. Robots. It's very adult. You know, don't—I I had it in front of the the, the kids, and I was like— it's really cool artwork, but don't can you not just thumb through that please? I need to show you the 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 artwork that makes sense. Very evocative, very cool. Really? But yeah, very uh uh, you know, adult themed uh stuff, but not in a weird or dirty way. Like it was like a very uh, um yeah, it just felt like a very adult story. It it begins with a childbirth uh and this new family has to like be on the run together. So Wow! Yeah, really great.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I love I'm it. Sorry, I missed it. We uh, had her here in the office, and uh, she's doing some some really amazing stuff. Uh, and uh, wanted to talk to her about her her artwork. So Very cool. That will play later on in this interview uh, right. segment of Dragon Talk. Is this
1: the first Dragon Talk of the new year?
0: It is the second Dragon Uh Talk of the new year. Was I
1: already in one? Yeah. Where have I been?
0: No, you weren't in that one either. Oh, my
1: God. I know.
0: We were talking to me, JP, and Gassy Mexican in the last one.
1: How could I miss talking to someone called Gassy Mexican?
0: He was uh, not Gassy at all. I don't think he had any gastrointestinal issues. You
1: might just be immune to it, because, you know, of all the time we spend together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And tooting. Lots of tooting.
1: Tooting.
0: Yeah. No, that was a a great interview, too. Sad you missed that one.
1: Yeah, well. But you're back. I'm
0: back. It's amazing time.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year to you.
1: So this is my first Dragon Talk.
0: It is 2019. Uh, What were your New Year's resolutions?
1: I don't really have any.
0: Were you going to resolve to not miss any interviews?
1: Uh, yes, going forward. Go- <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. I think that 2019 is the year of the dragon.
0: Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for adding talk at the end of that. Talk. Talk. TM. The year of the dragon talk. Right? And drinking more water.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say wine.
0: Oh, that too. <laughs> yes. Well, I usually turn the water into wine. Oh,
1: he- That's what I love about you, (laughs) Tito. Can you take this, please?
0: Exactly. Uh, Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's
1: Pinot Gris. (laughs) The official wine of the New York Housewives.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Stop. Uh, Aaron started watching (gasps) that show that shall not be named. The Bachelor. Et. The Bachelor, The Bachelor. Oh, with Bachelor. No, it's not. Et.
1: It's just straight up
0: Bachelor. Both of them are terrible. I'm sorry. Mm. I really support everything about loving things that are good. That's where I'm going to stop.
1: <laughs> you were going to write a scathing review of people who watched The Bachelor, was including your re- own wife. It was a rebuke. Oh, <laughs> excuse me.
0: Even better. Uh, yes. And then I was like, you know what? No, I don't. I, I My was like, wife no. I mean, well, I don't care about that. It was more about like, I didn't want to insult you. Really? Honestly, <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, that's really sweet. But
0: yeah, because I know you. You know, you you get some joy out of it. I right? really do. You do. I
1: find it incredibly inspiring.
0: Yeah. I inspiring. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't even what okay now you gotta that. It explain just makes that. me
1: want to write. Okay. Like I need to just recap this madness and just write about these people. Uh, I don't know what it is about it. It's like this is crazy. Stuff. I wish
0: I wish it just and we've talked about this before, but I'm gonna do it again. Do I it. just wish it emphasized the good in people. I feel like so much of the editing and the entertainment value is from like well, yeah, putting other people down.
1: Yes, they did. They do try to make people appear at their worst,
0: exactly, for
1: our own entertainment. And I guess, but I
0: don't. I guess I'm not entertained by that. I'm, I'm much more entertained by 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 uh, uh, you know love and happiness and every single form of my entertainment. It must only be good.
1: So I will say, <laughs> which is not
0: true. But you know what I mean. Like it just, I don't know. It, it encourages bad behavior in my mind.
1: It does because the it it has gone to a point where people try to be really bad mm-hmm. to get a lot of TV time right. and to be notorious and to parlay that into a a career where you get to go on like celebrity big brother right. or um, celebrity rehab or something you can just make an entire career out of being a really crappy reality TV person right so i my mom made me watch this horrible show over christmas break called love after lockup <laughs> oh
0: no that sounds really good
1: about when people when prisoners are released and they meet Sometimes for the first time, face to face, the person that they allegedly love. Right. And it was awful. I mean, as awful as you would imagine right. it to be. But at the end of it, I found myself really sad because, mm. like, those people, a lot of them were so sincere in their quest to find love that it was like, I don't want to laugh at these people. <laughs> like, I actually feel bad for this guy that, like, his woman swindled him out of $90,000. What? He was writing to her in prison, and when she was released, she basically just used him for a hotel room at the Comfort Inn, so she could go swim in the indoor pool for nine hours and and then get some clothes from Forever Twenty One and and leave. And he was like sad, like this, just like this sad, crying man at a Comfort Inn. <laughs> this is I don't. This isn't entertaining to me. So like, there's a difference between this earnest, sad, pathetic man. <laughs> That fell in love with a prisoner who swindled them, and these idiots that go on the Bachelor. Yeah, right. Cause they aren't. There's there is very little sincerity on that show now.
0: I know, right? It definitely seems a lot more put upon. Even the 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 stuff I did see about the premiere about them showing up, like when it was in a when cop car and one was in right. like, a costume. It gets a little and, and like, I'm like oh god. And because
1: of that, because I feel like they're not sincere, being all, like everybody's just kind of a trope at this point. Yeah, that I can laugh at them okay. because. You don't. You know what you're getting yourself into, right? And right. you are like kind of playing into a role. I get that, that it, to it a certain extent. It becomes more of like watching fiction, than right? Reality,
0: and then they bring in you know a, a, the D D angle of that too. Like it is feeling like you know when you're in a group that's a you know for a one shot or something that you're like you know there's not going to be like a continuity. You know you can sometimes have more fun with that character, right? Because you're not as invested. You're just like I'm just going to play this awful yep. character that I, I don't want to live in this character forever. But you can make fun of it and enjoy the experience, and uh, everybody's laughing and having a good time at it. Yes, totally. Versus the ones that are the more, you know, narrative focused. The like, you know, the every. You know, not not to say they're taking it more seriously, but the, you know, that it has a continuity uh, to it that you're more invested in. So I'm just saying I usually skew more towards the the latter yes. than the former, but I do realize that the former has has value.
1: You know, the more you think about it, there can be some similarities with. D and The Bachelor, I read this fantastic book called Bachelor Nation yeah. that was like behind the scenes of The Bachelor and kind of trying to get to the question of why are people going on the show. Right. What do they really get out of it? But it's as much as it's scummy for what some of the producers are doing, exploiting people at you know, their their, their vulnerabilities and yeah. playing them up, it is kind of not that a DM would be scummy about it, but those producers essentially do create this world this very fictional yeah. place that you exist in for this 8 12 weeks whatever that you're there for and they and the contestants even say this they you find yourself really falling for this crap like yeah. you they have created such a a tiny, they've taken away your your cell phone and you don't see TV and you don't read books and you're just existing in this little house with these tiny little people and you're going on these super contrived dates and you have these people like feeding you information and you do believe that you're developing these feelings for oh, this man. this person. And in a way, that's kind of, minus the scummy, what a good dungeon master can do. They right. can put you in they, this world they, and make you believe
0: and very soon they tell you to put away your phone. Don't but watch yes, TV. Too. You're only getting little bits <laughs> of in information. You're in a tiny little room. <laughs> yep. You're controlling who you're interacting with yes. and having contrived. they kind of like
1: reality TV producers. Very
0: tropey. Uh, you know. Yeah. I, there are
1: I, always those certain classes, tr- like you know, true to a and D party. Yeah. There's always the certain people that you will meet on The Bachelor: single mom, super villain, high-strung, type A biatch right the uh, lady with
0: the dog was the one right yeah they're definitely setting yeah. her up to be like yes. that, that character
1: yeah and then there's always God. like the wackadoodle one the one who's like she's so kooky like he's never gonna fall for her but she's super entertaining yeah. for a while
0: um is that the one who came in the the, the, the costume this time around the
1: sloth yeah she was so annoying <laughs> but she I didn't even get her joke I didn't get it either and Ben had to explain the joke to me
0: I didn't I don't she even she wants
1: to take things slowly
0: get it cuz you, know, you know
1: he's a he's a virgin
0: I, I how could you not Did you, know you that, not? Ryan? I don't even watch the show and it's it's it was it was on the, my my Twitter feeds Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I know, you know, Christina Ariel who we've had on the show before yes. uh has always been pitching a real uh, housewives of favorite. Yes. Uh, we need to make that happen. Because I, I do, I, do th- I think there's a lot of crossover between what you're talking about.
1: I do too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Would you want to DM that? I think you said you did.
1: I know. I think I did too.
0: <laughs> it's 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 a public uh, record. Would it
1: be more fun to DM it or to play in it? I,
0: well, you're see, you're inspired. Like if I was a DM, I would write... be like Andy Cohen. <laughs> Could I be? No, actually, no. I don't want to. I think oh. I want to let this be your thing. I was gonna be like, I'll be the host guy, but like, no, I won't do that.
1: No, be in it. Be in it. <laughs> you're in it too. <laughs> Uh, all right. Are you can be Ryan? the can
0: I be the Jimmy Kimmel guy that shows up and does something weird and wacky every once in a while?
1: No, you have to be in it, Damn it. always. <laughs> all right. You can right. be wacky. That's all right. You want to play Ryan? Can I dress up like a sloth? Yes. yes. <laughs> it's going to take 2 hours for him to do his turn.
0: <laughs> and he does that What? That's slow. Do I do Oh my gosh. I I'm very slow at adding up damage already. If I'm a sloth adding up damage, I mean that's well, at least half, you'd have an excuse. Half an episode, right there. I know.
1: Yeah, it'd be super easy to DM that. Yeah. I'd only really have one player take a turn. You.
0: All right, let's do it. We're, we're planning. We're making things happen. That's what 2019 has been about so far for Dungeons and Dragons. Planning, get everything planning ready to go. Planning and
1: making things happen.
0: Making things happen.
1: Seventeen days in. Seventeen days this. in.
0: It's happening. Um, uh, uh, Pack South uh, was last weekend. What I know, right? So uh, Jeremy Crawford uh, was taking the stage for Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, I'm pretty sure that went really well. We're, talking, we're recording this before that happened. Uh, I have faith. I have total faith. It was a cliffhanger. I can't good wait job, to see what happens. Jeremy, good job. Um, the amazing Xavier Woods, uh, WWE superstar yeah. Xavier Woods, uh, yeah. joined the table uh, at Actors Incorporated, which is super cool. I no can't way. wait to see, uh, see all that, but you listening have already seen it, so that's kind of amazing. Um, so, yeah, great stuff happening there, and we've got more coming. Uh, that will be announced. Uh, you know, Nathan Stewart and Kate uh, Welch have already kind of spilled some of the beans. Uh, you'll be seeing more of Kate Welch oh, yeah. on the D and D Twitch channel. She'll be playing in a game, uh, uh, a show playing through Baldur's Gate called uh, Welch's Game Juice. Love it! Yeah,
1: named that. by the Twitter community.
0: Uh, yes, exactly. So good. Um, that'll be on Thursdays, um, I believe, at one p.m. Pacific time. So check that out on the uh d schedule starting um, at the end of January i think January 14th 24th is when we're going to think of making that happen awesome uh which is coming up very soon so that's yeah you might even be when you're listening to this episode it might be when it begins
1: and dragon talks on a new
0: that's right new day. we live record on a new day on Fridays whole
1: new day 12
0: p.m. pacific time 2 3 p.m uh we're showing it uh going you know, to have more of a stricter schedule uh, around when things happen so we'll have a lot more time for you
1: stricter schedule
0: for you and i will banter And or talk about stuff. Maybe record one of these intros in that first hour. And then we'll have our interview in the second hour, 1 to 2 p.m. And then 2 to 3 p.m. We'll record a Lore You Should Know segment or a Sage Advice segment. Or maybe some new segments. What? I know, right? Maybe it will be a Bachelor recap. (gasps) Or a Teddy Pendergrass uh, song Song deconstruction deconstruction segment. Still not sure. Uh, Speaking of segment, we are about to throw it to a segment. And I don't know what it is
1: going to be. Surprise! Surprise! Maybe it's a mimic.
0: It could be any one of the three things we mentioned or a mimic that will eat you alive. Okay. You want to listen to it? Yeah. Let's go. Welcome to Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and this is the segment where we talk to Mr. Chris Perkins. Hi there. About... You know, bits of D&D lore that can really infect your game and trick your players into thinking that something is not
2: what it is, and then they die. That is part of the D&D experience is going into dungeons and encountering things which aren't what they appear to be. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's an old
0: trope, right? When, so yes. specifically, one of those is a monster by the name of the Mimic.
2: Yes, which goes all the way back to the earliest editions of the game. Was it in the original edition? It was. It was in the first edition monster manual. Ooh. Yes, so it was was always there. And it is almost always depicted in our books as a fake chest. Because treasure chests are things that characters are naturally drawn toward. Exactly. if, If a mimic wants to really catch somebody, disguising itself as a treasure chest is a pretty flawless plan and it's pretty
0: nasty as on the part of the dungeon master to be like here's this thing you got it it's so great you're gonna get some treasure
3: oh and it always looks cool
2: in an illustration to see a chest spreading a big toothy mouth exactly uh that's that's awesome but there are mimic isn't always a chest though correct that is correct a mimic can duplicate the form of pretty much any inanimate object um of its rough size and mass so it can't assume anything much bigger than itself because it's essentially would be spreading itself too thin right so it has a volume and it can assume different forms be they chairs pedestals tables um, a large shield right is also difficult for a mimic so like it couldn't necessarily assume the form of an umbrella. Mm. Um, or but like it, an organ. Correct. Or... Like with moving parts and things like that. It gets it, – that becomes next to impossible for it to do. Got it. So they tend to be simple, solid, sturdy things. Uh, doors. There's another popular one. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. That door you touch might in fact be a monster. <laughs>
0: Uh, has has it ever been used in so far as to uh, make it look like a magic item that you
2: might want to have? Um, since the mimic is not a magical creature, it wouldn't radiate as magic. Oh, I see. Um, but a, a mimics aren't that bright. They might assume the form of an item in the hopes that you think it's magical. Hmm. Uh, typically, so the 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 first definitive treatise on the mimic before, or should say after the, its uh, appearance in the first edition monster manual was in Dragon Magazine issue 75 mm. where we presented for the first time The Ecology of the Mimic, oh. an article written by none other than Ed Greenwood. Oh, of course, Ed. Uh, in, the, in the persona of an uh, explorer named Mare Loon. So it's all sort of written from a, an unreliable narrator's perspective. But the information that Ed codified in his article Mm -hmm. has pretty much defined the mimic ever since. The mimic as a creature has changed fundamentally very little, Mm. which is odd for a creature that changes its form all the time. (laughs) Um, But that's the way it goes. You asked me before we got on this podcast whether I was a mimic. Yeah, are you? And I can tell you with certainty that I am not because mimics cannot imitate creatures.
0: Ah, that makes perfect sense now. Yes. And it's too, too... um... I may be a doppelganger,
2: however. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I'm not telling.
0: What's the test for that? Oh, we'll we'll figure that out. Uh, you know, over the course of if you kill if you
2: kill me, I'll assume my true form. <laughs> this is uh, not even your final form. And the same is true for the mimic. If you kill a mimic, it will lose cohesion and assume its true form. And something we have never done is show what a mimic's true form looks like in art. Know. What do you th- What do you think it is? It's not it doesn't matter what I think it is what the lore says it is ah what does the lore say it is is it is essentially a grayish like a slate gray ooze okay so with a slightly tougher outer skin that it can change its texture and consistency of and the color and the color right so it because it is naturally gray and amorphous and uh it doesn't have what humans consider to be organs, mm. but it does have capillaries and sacs in its body. The capillaries um, are connected to sacs of brown liquid that it can inject through its flesh to change its coloration. Interesting. To assume a more wood-like texture. Right. So while stone objects are very easy for it, it can easily turn into some, a wooden door simply by injecting this brown fluid through its capillaries into its outer skin. Right. And thus change its texture and coloration. Uh, they don't have... Eyes, really, but uh, in their natural form, they have eye spots that are sensitive to light, Mm. which is why they prefer subterranean locations. Oh, okay. Why you're more likely to encounter a mimic in a dungeon than, say, in a house.
0: And by the fact that it uh, can then hide, and adventurers would happen into uh, uh, exactly. upon them in a dungeon way more. Erased. Right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it almost sounds like a like a mollusk, like a uh, an octopus. Yes. Yeah. Or something very like that. similar
2: um, in that in that respect. Uh, very mollusk like. Yeah. They also have uh, the ability to. They have sacs in them that basically contain a sticky liquid that they can also vent to their to their um, enemies or. Are- uh, that they can uh, – to their outer dermalogical layers. Oh, okay. So when they sprout pseudopods, these pseudopods can be sticky mm. and hold on to you. They basically exude a glue. But the mimic can basically withdraw that glue back into its form so that the pseudopods no longer stick. And that also prevents the mimic from sticking to itself accidentally oh, and right. things like that. Makes so,
0: sense. Um, so it's combined mollusk. And Venus Flytrap.
2: Yeah. It's a glue factory as well as a, as a, as a shape-shifty, um, amorphous thing. Uh, and then, of course, it also uh, produces a natural acid. Mm. So it's got sacks of coloration, sacks of glue, sacks of acid. The acid it uses, of course, to dissolve what it eats. Because when it swallows you and eats you, it doesn't leave really anything behind. Um, right. So when you see a chest, you won't see little corpses lying around it, giving clues to the mimic's presence. There will probably be very little of its meal left. That makes sense now. Okay.
0: Now, how do you – since it's not a magical creature, mm-hmm. how does the lore say something like this? It evolved.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very, you know, you you sort of have to... If you can justify vampires and werewolves in your world, then this creature is really no more bizarre. Okay,
0: I wasn't sure if the ecology uh, article that no. uh, had and it even doesn't, posited it, it, something no, like it, that.
2: And there's nothing positing uh, in the lore that it, it stems necessarily um, from some sort of root creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the lore does say, however, is that there are different kinds of mimics. Mm. Um, so there are branches of mimics. And the, the biggest branch is there's the... The sort of common variety, which is often called the killer mimic, mm-hmm. because it's essentially a mindless eating machine. Right. Uh, not mindless. It's got a mind, but it's it's pretty stupid, and all it really does, like a shark, is want to eat you. Yeah. Um, it's pu- it's driven by instinct to survive. And that's all. But there is another form of the common mimic that is more intelligent, mm-hmm. like average human level intelligence, and. Has developed or evolved the ability to talk mm. because a mimic can create a tongue and yeah. it can create, you know, and an the, the basic and the things, necessities yeah. to, it can basically, you know, suck air into a mouth and make that air become a sound. Yeah. Uh, that, these mimics are clever enough to carry on simple conversations in one language. Sometimes they learn common Don't ask me how. (laughs) Probably from some sort of captive that they've talked to or listened to for a while. Teach me your language. Sometimes sometimes a mimic, if it's not hungry, won't attack. It will just stay in whatever form it is and hear conversations around it. Oh, okay. So, you know, adventurers might camp in a room in a dungeon and there's some chairs and there's, you know, some other things. One of those chairs might just be a mimic who never reveals itself. So the mimic might pick up language and then over time, since mimics can live a long time, learn some basic words – and interact with adventurers on some level. And these mimics, because they're intelligent, will sometimes bargain for food mm. rather than just take it. And often will be able to give you information about what they've seen or discovered in the environment in which they call home.
0: Oh, okay. So they can be resources for, for those, those exploring a dungeon. Yes. Especially yes. if you can get them a tasting morsel. Yes.
2: Salt. The other thing we know about mimics is that the smarter ones can sometimes come together and form little... Uh, covenant, covens or clans mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes for mutual protection and other times just, you know, they want to, like, there's a tribal aspect to it. They want to be with other things of their own kind. Oh. Are they social creatures? Um, the dumb ones, no. Okay. The dumb ones would fight off another mimic that it would see as simply competition for its food. Right. But the smarter ones who can see that there's a benefit to surviving in 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 group groups. company? Yeah. Um, will. Oh, that's interesting. And and the other, the other thing about these smart ones that can learn how to talk is they will often bond with other creatures for similar reasons, hmm. company and or protection. Makes sense. And so you can partner a mimic with another mon- dungeon denizen and call it good. They're a pair. You know, exactly. Right. Mimics are also f- smart enough to know if there's a dangerous area that they can live in, they will because... Adventurers will come in, get distracted by the other danger, Mm -hmm. and allow the Mimic to attack with surprise or to pick off somebody who's been weakened. Right. So, like, if there's a cave full of Sturges, Mm. the Sturges aren't going to be any threat to the Mimic. So, the Mimic could hide out there, let the Sturges do serious damage, drain a... Drain a burk dry, yeah, and then the mimic just comes along and eats the corpse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, or or you know, if they're they're taxing adventurers' uh, resources, they might be more inclined to jump in and try to grab something out of a chest without first checking to make
2: sure it's a mimic. Right, that type of yes. Thing. But you should always poke the chest with a sword before you try to open it because it just might be. It just might be one of these creatures.
0: Have you used a lot of mimics? In your, I have in your dungeon mastering yes. days,
2: and in in my adventure writing days too. Yeah, I'm very very fond of them, and they're a nice go to monster. If you don't know what to put in a room, right? They're easy because they're sort of self-sustaining creatures, and there's always the little, you know, jump moment when the characters realize they're fighting a monster, and they're like, "Oh God, no!" Yeah, I made a huge mistake. Yeah, they're they're very versatile and yeah. easy to use, and you don't. There's not a lot of baggage with them. Mm. You can drop them into pretty much any dungeon and kind of hand wave it. Well, you know, the mimic has no trouble slipping in here. It's an amorphous creature, and it can, you know. It's, Living off of rats until it finds something better, and
0: you mentioned that they have a a a long lifespan.
2: Yes, they. It's indeterminate. We don't know exactly how long they live, but it can be hundreds of years. So, um, is that always with a sustained uh,
0: uh, food supply? Or they they
2: have to feed themselves, but we don't specify in any detail how much, how often it needs to feed.
0: Is it the idea that? A mimic stays in the form that of its trapped form all the time, waiting for someone to come along.
2: A mimic has no reason to be in its true form, mm. um, so it is never encountered in such.
0: So it's always pretending, yes. waiting for yes. You know the temptation of a right. it, right? Suffer- it suffers. It has jumping.
2: no. There's no. Str- it suffers no stress holding a form. Got it. Uh, partly because its outer skin is thick and resilient, so it kind of holds everything inside it pretty conveniently um and part of it is it's just a very it's all sort of muscle yeah in there so besides besides the the liquids that it has in its body it's just one big slithering muscle
0: i have one terrible question that i feel like i have to ask how do they how how do other mimics appear
2: ah yes (laughs) how do they procreate good question uh as as far as we know, based on the lore, they yeah. are asexual. Okay. So they uh, a mimic will, at some random point in its life, sprout or detach part of itself. Oh, okay. With all the parts that that piece needs to grow into a full sized mimic. So maybe after it had a, a,
0: a you know say it had the best year of its life and ate fifteen adventurers yes. that and they'd be like oh I've got enough to yeah. break off a piece right. of my me and and yes. they th- – Form family
2: units that way? Not particularly. No. Uh, a, a small mimic might, it basically is, have to fend for itself. Got it from the very start. There's no, there's no parenting advice really. <laughs> Go forth, <ended> at, yeah. <laughs> Go forth, my son, and <laughs> imitate. Yes, <laughs> I've,
0: we've we've been chess for so long. Try something new. Yes. Go to new exotic places and become a tree stump. Right,
2: but that opens up the possibility that you might encounter a tiny mimic or a small mimic yeah. as opposed to a medium. As one. it grows, exactly. Yeah. Right. So you can sort of play with that idea um, for a little as as a dungeon master and maybe give a character a mimic pet. Oh. Yeah, like as a, yeah, Yeah. right. And use uh, some of the sidekick rules that were uh, recently tested out. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then, uh, of course, on the other side of the size scale, there are species of mimic that are bigger than normal-sized mimics. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest mimic that we've ever sort of detailed was the size of a building. Oh. Um, You can get a type of mimic that basically is tower-sized or house-sized, and we've had them in adventures. An adventure that springs to mind was from Dungeon Magazine issue 19, mm-hmm. called an, um, um, an adventure called The Vanishing Village, which featured monsters that are they're mimics, but they're they're so big they actually have another name. They're called House Hunters. Don't house Hunters. I'm not exactly sure why, but basically they're, it's a village of mimics that moves around on the surface disguised as houses. <laughs> so you'll be walking along a road, With your adventuring buddies, and you'll see this small village of four or five buildings, a couple cottages, maybe, you know, a a shed or an outhouse. Yeah. And you walk into them, and you realize you're actually walking into the creatures, and then they attack you. Oh. So, and then once they've, you know, eaten, the village gets up and moves, (laughs) goes somewhere else.
0: (laughs) It's like uh, the worst, you know, ghost town ever. Right, yes, exactly.
2: So that sort of mimics taken to their... They're 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 big extreme. Got it.
0: Yeah. Are those uh, especially more intelligent or less intelligent or?
2: Uh, as I don't recall what their intelligence was, but I'm guessing it was probably around the same as the the more enlightened okay. common mimic average intelligence. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Uh,
0: any other last mimic thoughts before we uh, close this out? Hmm.
2: Let's see. Let's see. Are there any mimics in this room? You know, I think I think there might be. Ah, you. Mention it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've trapped you here Chris Perkins for yes. that reason uh, excellent well uh, if people want to ask you any questions about uh, mimics or how to get them into their game
2: where can they get in touch with you uh, they can get in touch with me on twitter at Chris Perkins DND excellent I am at Greg Tito and we'll be back with uh, another segment next week
0: thanks a lot Um, I think as of the recording of this right now, we have no idea what you just heard.
1: But it was amazing. But I think
0: I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think it was a mimic. It could have been a mimic. Let's just go with it being a mimic. Okay. In fact, that's a great idea. I don't think we've done a lore you should know on mimics. <gasps>
1: Maybe it was about Mimics.
0: So retroactively, that was a really great Lori Chanot episode. I would
1: uh, love to listen to that. On Mimics. I, I like know, Mimics. Right? They're really kind of cool. Hey, I had a really cool idea for a product. Okay. When I was just walking here to the studio mm-hmm. and I walked past our beholder. Yeah. What if you...
0: The the beholder uh, uh, display trophy from WizKids. That is yes. Uh, amazing.
1: Yes. What if all of the eye stocks were mirrors? Uh-huh. Get it? Think about it.
0: Like in the eye of the beholder. Oh,
1: Every right. time you looked at it, it would basically be calling you beautiful.
0: Oh. Right? That would just, pretty it cool. Like,
1: it would be like a self-esteem beholder. That's awesome. Like beauty is everywhere. That's great. In the eyes. I like that a lot. Okay.
0: You know, we were uh, – uh, uh, there's no way to mention this without feeling like I'm bragging. But we got an award uh, for, for influencer marketing.
1: Yeah. Uh, here at Wizards of the
0: Coast. Uh, for, for me, Bart Carroll, Palm Green – uh, Emmy, as well as uh, some awesome members of the magic team. Yes. Um, and so, part of the the uh, reward for that is that we get to design a magic card. Oh yeah. And so uh, I, I might be spilling the beans a little bit here, but our magic card involves a beholder, uh, And a dragon character. And uh, the idea is, it's like it's kind of a, a dual. You know, some some magic cards have two characters on them, and so yeah. it was Keris uh, and the beholder. Uh, and so the art from the card might have um, it's basically from the point of view of the of the beholder looking at it. There's going to be the eye stocks kind of around the card, looking at the uh, the character, the dragon character in front of it. And uh, the whole idea is that you know the beholder is folks at home watching. They are the watchers. They are the beholders oh. of, of, of watching it all occur.
1: I love that. So it was a
0: way to kind of bring in D&D and magic uh, uh, and the, the mechanics for it. That's really cool. awesome. Yeah. I'm Didn't excited. you win
1: another award, too?
0: I did win another award. Well, D&D won an award. D&D. Uh, for. Uh, but you
1: are D&D, <laughs> That's I mean, let's be honest. That is not true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a Marcom uh, Platinum Award, Whoa. which is better than gold and silver. Totally. It's platinum. We, everyone knows that. Yeah. It's a very D&D type thing. Um, yeah, for the uh, uh Streaming Many Eyes. What? So Good stuff.
1: That's yeah. so cool! Yeah, I'm what did really
0: you excited? win for that? Um, I have a I have a statue. I have like an actual uh, Oscar-looking like statue. That's platinum. That's very oh cool. God. I have it at my desk. You know what's even cooler about that? No. Kate Irwin uh, had a little knit sweater uh, that said Tito's Vodka on it.
1: What? <laughs> and she
0: put it on the statue, and You're I think kidding. it looks amazing. Where um, did she
1: get a little knit sweater? I, it,
0: it, I think it was like a pack-in for uh, some gift thing, uh, but you know. Oh, that's so really cute. There's, there's a Tito's. Thing on the on the guy, which, are, which I kind of love.
1: I love that too. Very sweet. Well, congratulations! Thank to you. you. Thank you. You had a very good year.
0: It was a good year. Yeah, we'll see.
1: We need a red carpet.
0: Well, yes, we do.
1: We should like really do an award show.
0: All right. Yeah, like the D and D Awards. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. I mean, we we have the. Uh, um... We
1: actually have shows. Like we could do like our own version of the Emmys.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll call them the Shelleys. Well. Wow. We
1: could call them like the draggies. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> we'll get
0: Ma- <laughs> Matt Baum <Bomb>, uh, <laughs> <the dungeons. laughs> and the uh the Queens of Adventure to uh to be a part oh, of that. God, I love yeah. them. I think I think that would be cool. Yeah. Um yeah, there's I would give them an There's award. there's some I'd like to that idea, having some kind of a uh, award ceremony. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I want to do that. All right, we'll noodle on that. Okay. In the meantime, uh, I would like to introduce you to this interview that Shelley is not a part of.
1: But I'm. I can listen to this episode of Dragon Talk for the first time. You can <laughs> listen to an interview that annoying girl's not on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> voice is that? That's a new one. That's a
1: new one. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Who are you? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of the flapper. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, there's flapper. (laughs) (laughs) Flapper!
0: All right. well now listen to that with no flapper voice. Okay. Have a very special interview today. Uh, well, first off, I need to introduce uh, myself. I'm Greg Tito, and we have Satine Phoenix here. That's a me. That's a you, <laughs> and we're talking to an amazing creator. Her name is Fiona Staples, and she is here uh, for secret reasons.
4: <laughs> yeah. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Greg and Satine, for having me. So excited,
0: um, mostly because I have a daughter named Fiona.
4: Oh, you didn't mention that. I didn't
0: mention that. I probably should have. <laughs> You're saving that. She's five years old, and uh, her artwork is, uh, is 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 getting to be on par oh, with yours. My
4: replacement <laughs> is, is rising. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, but no, I've actually had these books in in my house the last uh, couple of uh, days and/or weeks, and uh, they really like the covers. And I'm like, I don't think you want to go too far into <laughs> that one right now.
4: No, maybe in a couple years. In a couple of
0: years. I was thinking like, 10 was yeah, a good Yeah, nine, 9 or 10. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> uh, of course, Fiona Staples is the artist. And uh, I mean, would you say co-creator? Or just artist, or how? I how say do you, co-creator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> co-creator of Saga, uh, which is an amazing uh, comic book series that I think people have been uh, recommending to me for, for years. And I'm sad that I just got into it. But it is amazing.
4: Thank you for finally picking it up. Nice. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh,
0: and I reached out to you on Twitter, which is another amazing thing, that like Twitter actually did something good.
4: Sometimes it does its job, yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we're so happy that you're here uh, in the office, uh, and uh, uh, would love to just kind of pick your brain over the course of this whole interview.
4: Absolutely. Sounds like fun? Yeah.
0: Uh, so you're a and d fan?
4: I am, yeah. I've been playing sort of sporadically for the last five or six years when... Um, a friend of mine and my husband's introduced us to it. Um,
0: what was that like? What was that experience like? That first time it was you played, it?
4: <laughs> I'd always been so curious about it. I never had the opportunity as a kid because I just didn't know anybody who played it. I had no one to play it with. <laughs> so getting it into getting into it as an adult was was fun, making up for lost time. Um, we started playing Second Edition. I think, which was a little bit harder to get my head around. Thaco, but yeah, we did play like one campaign in Second Edition, Um, and then we switched to Fifth a couple years ago, which is you know certainly more accessible, as everyone says. Right, you don't have Mm. to worry
0: about negative numbers as much.
4: That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's much easier to just you know focus on the storytelling and having fun.
0: What was your uh, What was your character in that first kind of way you played in in Second Edition?
4: Kate the Gnome. Kate the Gnome. Yeah, a gnome wizard. Ooh. Yeah.
0: I like that. What was she like?
4: Um, she was sort of squirrely and mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so nothing like you, yeah. essentially.
4: <laughs> uh, and then I made a, a new character for our fifth edition campaign, which was sort of a homebrew setting that our DM, Jason, came up with. Uh, In a a world of sort of floating islands and airships, so my character was a half-orc rogue named Oshi Barracuda. Oshi Barracuda, wicked underbite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good detail. Not many people use underbite as a detail, but that's that's a good one.
4: (laughs) Their defining feature.
0: (laughs) I like that. Uh, Awesome. Uh, And you know, you watch a lot of uh, uh, Critical Role, or at least I've seen you do Critical Role uh, uh, fan art. Uh to a yes, certain extent, I'm
4: a fan of critical role. I watched their first campaign and got into the the new one, got really excited about the new characters. <laughs> um I did a fan art of of Taliesin's character, Molly Mock, which is going to be displayed in their critical role art show opening Ooh. at the end of January. Oh, that's wow.
0: cool. yeah, I love that piece.
4: thank you that like really oh, it was so fun to do.
0: It brought it to life for me for sure
4: mm-hmm. yeah the um the artist who did the original character designs was brilliant. Uh, They're all so so detailed, so rich and full of character.
0: What do you think, Satine?
4: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: There's no denying (laughs) it. Yeah, I mean, uh, those... Who's the artist that he uses? Do you know?
4: I wish I could remember her name right now, but I I didn't write it down. It
3: was really impressive, you're right, like Mm -hmm. the level of detail. And um, really, by bringing their voices to the characters, it just, you have your full animation in your head.
0: I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I, I just like that, that, you know, D&D streaming kind of in general, but, you know, Critical Role uh, specifically inspires so many people to um, create this ancillary art for it. Like, you know, and, and even mm-hmm. you yourself, who is the, a creator making amazing stories and artwork on your own, you're like, oh, I, I want to just dabble in this world, you know?
4: Yeah, they make it so so appealing. They do a really good job of showing how much fun the game is. So. Good, awesome. good ambassadors for the product. <laughs> oh, well that's for
0: sure. We we knew that on you know going in. Uh but what do you, what do you think it is about not necessarily even just critical role but like just live play D&D kind of in general that 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 spawns the 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 desire to draw it.
4: Um I think because there isn't a visual element built in So it's kind of begging for it. If you're an artist, you can't help but want to draw your character. I think that's the first thing most artists do when they roll a new character is obviously like draw a character portrait, show off who you want this person to be. I'm Um, always
0: so jealous of the people who have that talent.
4: And, you know, it's not necessary at all, which is part of the beauty of the game is that it just exists in people's heads, basically. Um, You don't need to be able to draw. You don't need to be like a great novelist or like... um, you know, um, an actor or anything to experience it. Mm-hmm. You just need to have a story that you want to tell. So as a storytelling vehicle, it's um more accessible than almost anything else out there. Um I think a lot of people are creative, but they don't really see themselves as creative people mm. or like they have a lot of ideas but they don't really have the means to execute them. Like they don't have maybe the resources to make the movie that exists in their head so they don't have the time to learn how to draw or, like, the, the desire to sit down alone and write a novel. But you can still tell your story in the form of D&D or any other tabletop RPG and still be able to share it with your friends and um, make your ideas known.
1: Mm.
0: That's interesting because, you know, we've... I, I've spoken to a lot of creators uh, here for this podcast, but then also just kind of in general, and a lot of them in the D&D community suffer from imposter syndrome, that idea that like, oh, I'm not anybody. I, I just play D&D for fun on camera and people seem hmm. to like it, right? And I wonder if there's a connection to what you were just said to, to that in the prevalence yeah. in the D&D community, right? Like that it's it's not, you know, making a movie or writing a novel. It's just, we're just making... You know, people laugh on a on a, on camera.
4: Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it is just something people do for fun, like for entertainment, for leisure. But I also think it's like a totally valid form of self-expression. And but it's new narrative storytelling, it's a new yeah. one too,
0: right? <laughs> Which is kind of exciting. We're at the cusp of of you know, I don't know, you uh, new art form, in some weird way.
3: Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's super it's super shared, right? Because playing at the table is a shared experience. But then playing watching other people play and then wanting to draw a story that someone else is telling while they're telling it that's super share.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's totally collaborative in so many ways. Yeah. I wonder if you like your
3: art that you draw for them like or inspired by them inspires them too.
4: I don't know. That would be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be like wonderful. if they see it, and
3: and like, it oh, that's ways. a cool yeah. direction. I didn't think of that. You know, <laughs> I think it does. Yeah. I
0: mean, do, when do, does anyone ever show you artwork uh, that they've made of your characters, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to try and use that or something?
3: Yeah, it's really fun because I, I'm always curious to like what inspires somebody to draw a character. Mm. Because is it the scene that's happening? It's like oh, there's this really intricate scene that's happening, or is it? just over time watching this person perform that character, and you're like, wow, I just like that. Because I see a lot of portraits. I don't really see a lot of scenes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, is it the the story that they're involved in that makes them want to draw, or is it the person itself? Or is it the character that the person is playing?
4: Yeah, I think it could be all of those things. Yeah. But scenes are a lot harder to draw than a portrait. That's true. <laughs> so my go-to would just to be... Like, drawing a simple portrait of something.
0: What is that uh, I, why is that? Well, I mean as, as someone who's not of I mean you two are are uh, well, super talented on that <laughs> on that but yeah let's talk what why why is uh a, a portrait easier than a scene.
4: Well, you might be inspired by a, like a really cool scene from the game to draw, but maybe it's like an epic battle with like tons of characters in it and a complicated background and like magical items flying around. Um, that sounds easy. <laughs> it could be super fun to draw, but just a lot more time-consuming than like a, a simple concept portrait. Artist. <laughs> yeah. A concept artist could do it like that fast. Absolutely.
3: Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm not a concept artist. No, me neither. No. <laughs> I wish. <laughs>
0: Um, all right. Well, yeah. And I'm always really inspired by people who uh, do that while playing. Like I, I, I've i had the luck to be able to play with a few uh, people who had artistic talent and then they'll just over the course of. Uh, a session, they'll have like a sketchbook of like four or five different moments, and I'm always mm-hmm.
4: like, "Whoa!" Like a courtroom you... artist,
0: yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, that just happened! How did you do that so so quickly and so evocatively?" Like, like that's that's what I was imagining, and you 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 captured that. Like, that's crazy.
4: Oh, in that case, uh, I think it does flow both ways. Then, and players or DMs can be inspired by the art of the characters that they've created. I think sometimes just seeing it visually can help crystallize the idea of who a, who a character is in your head. Mm. Are you a doodler, like when you play? Yes. Um, but I try to not get too distracted <laughs> <laughs> my attention yeah. to what's going on.
3: Yeah, I find that I'll draw while I'm playing, and it reminds me, so I have my notes, but it kind of solidifies the notes that I'm taking so I can mm-hmm. remember it.
0: Oh, because you're yes. like more of a visual rememberer. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> if we're... Dungeon delving, I'm usually tasked with drawing the map. Oh, so cool. <laughs> That's what oh. I'm working on. Oh, you're
0: typecast. Oh, no.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind at all. I love fantasy maps. <laughs> nice. Me
3: too. I want to see your fantasy maps.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah. Would, would you share that with us at some point? I mean, the ones that I draw in games are just very loose, like rooms sketched out on graph paper. <laughs> Old
3: I like that old fashioned but, um, way of drawing it, you know. Now everybody does stuff on the computer and it's all digital, but
4: mm-hmm. I'm just the person in, in the game as the DM is going, "Okay, you walk 20 meters to the north and you're in a circular room. You know, there's a door to the west." So, so I'm just trying to like draw everything as we're moving through the rooms. That's just a skill reference. though, like yeah. that
0: I I've tried to be the mapper uh while playing and it's like <laughs> they're like, "Get out." No. <laughs> Put down the pencil, Greg. You don't. That doesn't make any sense Uh, because that's really hard. It's. it's, I mean, and there are people who have uh, an eight, an eight in eight talent to be able to do that. And I do
4: my best, (laughs) but it's pretty fun at the end of the dungeon to compare my map to the one (laughs) the DM was actually referencing.
0: That's always the best. It's (laughs) like a game of telephone.
4: Wildly different they are. (laughs) You're like, "Eh." yeah. Like, oh, how did we ever make it out of there?
0: And you're like, which reality was the real reality? Like that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because Dungeon Masters fudge so much too. They're like, ah, eh, that's basically what what yeah, it is, good right? <laughs> yeah, I said twenty meters, but you did twin, so who cares? <laughs> uh, also, I think it's funny you're from you're from Canada, right? That's right. Yes. Uh, so meters went right out there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know how, what 10 meters
3: is. <laughs> I laughed inside my head about oh, that. Oh, that's was easy. Like, it's two graph that? squares. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are five foot.
4: Oh, oh, I'm it. so confused.
0: <laughs> we really. So basically, uh, America, get the metric system. Get it going. Make it happen. Um <laughs> So yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the, the saga comic book because uh, there, you know, uh, if people don't know about it, it is a fantastic like combination, I guess, of genres. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like fantasy and sci-fi are blended into a blender and you know <laughs> spit out with you know blood and, and guts everywhere uh, it's as exactly part of it. That, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> was that the pitch uh, that, yeah. that you got from uh, from Brian Vaughn? I was like, "Oh yeah, that's what it's going to be." Uh, yeah, but how how did this project start? Uh,
4: well, it started, I guess, with Brian before I was even involved. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, the writer, had he and his wife had just had their second child, and he wanted to do a comic book about family uh, and about a, a child growing up about parenthood. Um, and he reached out to me when he was looking for an artist. Uh, We'd never worked together before or even met, so he just sort of emailed me out of the blue and really made my day Nice (laughs) to ask if I wanted to jump on board this sort of epic sci-fi fantasy project that he was pitching. Um, And I'd never done an ongoing series before. At that point in my career, I'd only done sort of like one-shots and six-issue mini-series. So this was a big commitment, but... You know, it seemed worth it to me. If I was going to commit to something, this seemed like a good choice. (laughs) So that was about seven years ago in 2011. uh, And we've been doing Saga ever since. Um, We have 54 issues under our belt now. And we're just stopping to take a little breather before we get back to it because we still have a lot more story left to tell.
0: Uh, That's amazing. Uh, That's a long-running series. That's really long. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay, I have some professional questions for you.
4: Oh, please, yeah. How long
3: how, how long does it take to do a page? Uh, how long do your pencils take? Do
4: you use references? Uh, you, <laughs> it's rapid you go fire. Good questions. <laughs> okay, I'll start from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> um, I average roughly a page a day because I do an issue a month. So 22 pages in a month, and I try to take weekends off. <laughs> so, Smart. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so I can do like a... I'll have my thumbnails done already, but I can sort of take a page from pencils to finish colors in a day. Wow. But I usually work by doing, like, by having an inking day where I ink, like, two or three pages and then a coloring day where I'll color that batch. So I shake what, it up for, a little bit. For
0: folks who may not know, what what is the difference between inking and penciling and coloring and all that?
4: Um, well, I work, I work digitally. I do everything in Photoshop and Clip Studio. Um, so the difference is almost negligible <laughs> between <laughs> penciling and inking. <laughs> I don't really do like a full set of pencils that I then, you know, trace over to ink. Um, I sort of do like a very rough drawing and then I do a final drawing over it and then I color it. Nice. So that's sort of loosely my process. That
0: makes sense. Um, and yeah, the artwork that, that, that is, is out of here, it feels so different from, you know, I don't know, it just... It, it, it transports you to another world uh, yeah. very, very quickly. Um, so what, what was was that part of the, the, the goal when you were putting this together? Or was that just... It just fell into place uh, as you were making it? Like, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, because the series is going to be so long <laughs> and take us to so many different planets, like different locations, and I didn't know what even a fraction of them were going to be, uh, it was impossible to sort of do all the world-building at the beginning because uh, I didn't really know what I was getting into, (laughs) so I just sort of tackle it uh, one story arc at a time. Usually the family that we follow, Marco and Alana and their little baby Hazel, uh, will spend roughly a six-issue story arc in one location and then move on to the next as they're Mm -hmm. being chased across the galaxy by bounty hunters uh, and armies. So.
0: I feel we glossed <laughs> over do. what the plot what the <laughs> oh, plot of this is. So yeah, maybe that? we should. Yeah,
4: it's called a teaser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. Uh, basically, it's the story of this family um, who are from the parents are from opposite sides of this galactic war. Uh, they desert their respective armies uh, to run away and start a family together. Uh, the first issue begins with Alana giving birth to Hazel, who uh grows up over the course of the series. She's currently about 7. Mm. Uh and also is the narrator of our series from from the future. <laughs> so adult adult Hazel is sort of um guiding us along this adventure, retelling her childhood.
0: Have you visualized adult Hazel yet?
4: Um yeah, sort of sort of loosely. Yeah, I know what preteen Hazel is going to look like. Oh, Haven't thought okay. too far beyond that. <laughs> that's
3: actually pretty cool because you're like allowing her to evolve as the story exactly. progresses.
4: And that's sort of the tack that I've had to take with the entire story, <laughs> because you know, as I mentioned, I'm, it's impossible to design ahead of time because we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> or where the story is going to take us. So, um,
0: tell that to dungeon masters. <laughs> Don't plan 15 (laughs) sessions down the road. Like, (laughs) plan for the session that's coming up next. Exactly. Yeah,
4: Um, yeah, so between six issues, story arcs, Brian and I will usually take a little break and then sort of hash out what the next six issues are going to look like. And at that point, I'll sort of roughly design any new worlds or new characters that we're going to see. I love it. Do you use photo reference? I do. Yeah, I take a ton of photo reference of myself like in various poses. Cool. <laughs> like for almost every page.
0: How <laughs> do you do awesome. that? Is it like in a mirror or or, or
4: Um set up, a... set up in a in <laughs> a photo studio? I have a process. <laughs> um, I just use my phone camera on like a little gorilla pod, little tripod that I can place like around the room to get different angles. Oh, that's so <laughs> and cute. just use like the timer to
0: get whatever really?
4: that I need. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like any given moment, like someone you're like making a pose it's like something in the in the in the book?
4: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. So cool. Um I don't know. I just find that it really helps me to sort of act out what the characters are doing. Um it helps me come up with poses that I wouldn't necessarily think of if I was trying to draw everything out of my head. Oh, interesting.
0: How uh, do a lot of uh, you know uh, artists work that way, or do you th- you find that's this pretty atypical?
4: I know a lot who do. Oh, okay. Some don't. Some definitely just do sort of the construction drawing method where they just um, they build everything from scratch. Mm. But I just find using reference to be way faster and uh, helps me come up with sort of poses and expressions that I wouldn't otherwise. It's a, it's really like thoughtful.
3: A lot of animators do that. Mm where they'll mm, have a yeah. mirror there and they'll sit doing the pose in their face and, like, and they'll start bouncing up and down so they can feel what they're drawing.
4: Yeah. yeah. Sometimes <laughs> what you imagine someone to look like, say, like drawing a sword, isn't what it actually looks like. <laughs> <laughs> bones don't move <laughs> <Yeah>. that way. <laughs>
0: right. Uh, that's how you get the weird comic book poses where you're like, no one can actually move yeah. that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so, I, I love the storyline. I, I haven't read all fifty-four issues. I think I'm only of three of uh, of uh, the the trades in here. But uh, what I love about it is this story is so fanciful. It's so over the top. It's so, as you say, going from world to world, and you know, have this intergalactic high stakes thing going on. Um, but the family unit and the conversations and how they react to each other feels like conversations I have had with my wife, uh, in my family. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it never goes too fanciful or too, um, I don't know. Uh, 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 uh melodramatic really in a way, because it's just real. Uh, it feels very real. Yeah. Or something Brian's, that's so crazy.
4: Friends, uh, a really sort of observant and, um, smart writer. I think he understands people and human nature and conversations. <laughs>
0: Do you guys collaborate at all back and forth are you ever like uh, oh that line doesn't feel right or or you know could you shift that around or, or do you guys work pretty autonomously
4: yeah, pretty autonomously like I'm not a writer <laughs> um, I love what Brian does so much I' have no desire to like meddle in <laughs> in his work <laughs> makes sense um, yeah, no I
0: know some some people collaborate differently so I was yeah
4: the way we collaborate is just that he gives me the freedom to do what I want basically that's cool um and he'll ask me what do you feel like drawing this arc you know do you have any creature ideas do you have any location ideas where should our family go next because usually he'll have a plot in mind like a series of plot points that could really take place almost anywhere so i get to do sort of the settings that i want to do
0: oh cool so you're doing a little bit more of the world building of uh, visual world building of a little of bit that of yeah stuff. that's neat
4: Yeah, that's kind of the dream
3: right there.
4: (laughs) He's very easy to work with. Yeah, it's a real treat. (laughs) That's cool.
3: I really love, um, the story's awesome, the writing's great, because it could be anywhere, right? And it literally is anywhere. But man, your style, that's what first got me over at Meltdown when I saw it on the stand. I was like, it's sophisticated, it's classy, (laughs) it's alluring, and it's exactly the kind of comic that I'd be into. And then I read it and I was like,
4: <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic! Like, Thank you.
3: Um, yeah, your style is very elegant. Did you do you have like a fashion background? Like, like do you? No, go to art but school? I'm very flattered.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I did go to art school. Um, I graduated back in 2006, um, but I've sort of refined my style a lot over the years. From something very sort of sketchy and painty into uh, for this, I wanted to do something. A lot cleaner and more easy to read, basically.
3: <laughs> uh, do you find that it's faster as well? It looks like there's uh really good line economy. And then even your colors and, like, the layers of your, like, shades and your highlights, it looks very, um, not fast. That's not
4: the term at all I want to use. It is fast. But, yeah. Because
0: yeah. there's 22. Uh, <laughs> That's one, my a day. That's yeah. very fast.
4: <laughs> um, because I'm determined not to fall too far behind. Um. <laughs> We have a really good streak going of never, you know, putting Saga out late. Yeah, that's a
0: good streak.
4: Yeah, yeah, that is something that I thought about a lot when I was figuring out how to draw this book because I was so intimidated by the idea of just doing an ongoing series with no end. And I was so afraid that I would get behind and never be able to catch up and that would be the end of everything. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, how can I do this as fast as possible and still have it look okay? Um, I really wanted to have sort of like rich vibrant backgrounds, um, but they're so (laughs) time-consuming to do painted backgrounds. So I ended up with sort of a compromise of doing like loosely painted, sort of sketchier backgrounds, um, and then sort of like a more clear, linear style for the figures, almost like cell shaded animation over painted backgrounds. That's kind of what I was going for, um, because uh, one of our biggest goals with Saga was for it to be accessible, not just to people who already read comics, but to new readers as well. And um, with that in mind, we made a lot of specific choices. Like, uh, I don't have any crazy panel layouts. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, I pretty much just stick to very conservative, like, stacked rectangles. Um, There aren't too many panels per page. We're pretty much always, like, four to six panels per page, so it doesn't look too overwhelming or dense. Um, Brian's idea was to use mixed-case lettering. Because uh, we had heard from a lot of people who aren't used to comics, like, why are comics all in capital letters? Why is everyone shouting all the time? <laughs> 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 so uh, our letterer, Stephen Finch, uh, found this like uh, elegant mixed case font that we use. Um, and yeah, we just tried to be conscious of how to make it easy to read, how to make it easy for anyone to pick up.
3: Yeah, thank you. It. I know a lot of women specifically. You've gotten into comics because of your comic.
4: And that's
0: th- good to hear. Yeah, yeah i th- I'm, I'm, speaking as a woman. I agree. I think <laughs> that is one Thank big you, reason. Greg. I mean, but, <laughs> uh, but but I could see the the reason why you would say that. Honestly, uh, as as reading through it, I mean, like that's maybe that's why it felt so real to me. Where s- some uh, comic books I read don't uh, is because this was. Um, grounded in real relationships and how you know real women act and and how real men act and that that makes so much sense um, and I think one thing we should mention is you know it's not when you, I think you said alluring was it was a good way to to word it uh, but there is a frankness about sexuality and 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 especially families and birth and all that stuff that i think mm-hmm. is is really not seen a lot in, in in comic books uh and and honestly storytelling in general too so um that that is really i, I think a, a, a powerful message from from these yeah. was that was that mm-hmm. a goal going in or was that just kind of how the nature yeah. of the story unfolded
4: um well we knew we were going to tell this sort of like epic generation spanning like saga, obviously, so we wanted to sort of show every aspect of life from like war and violence to sort of more domestic life, mundane sort of spousal arguments, and also like sexuality, which is a big part of human life as well. Right. <laughs> so we just didn't want to shy away from anything in particular, just sort of show everything as uh, honestly as we could. Okay. Yeah, it's
3: bold like an indie comic. But obviously mainstream, and it, I think it really changed the way a lot of people look at comics. Yeah, so um, it's really nice that you guys introduced that and are continuing this story. So,
4: thank you. Yeah, we're we're lucky to be published by Image Comics, which lets us do anything <laughs> with no editorial <laughs> oversight. So,
0: <laughs> that's good to hear. That's always yeah. a good thing for for a creator to be like, oh, I can I can make what I want.
4: It's been a great experience. Yeah.
0: Um, trying to tie this back to to D anD D in some way, like how could people um, use some of the I don't know frankness in their D anD D games? Like I don't know if that's anything that anyone's ever thought of before. I just said that out loud, but like the idea of like how how you can take the uh, you know not glossing over important details such as sexuality or or, or you know domestic life and, and all those things and, and make. You know, your, your D&D game feel as vibrant as, you know, what what's on the page here?
4: Um. Well, I think all the players and the DM would have to be, like, on board with it. You'd have to make sure everyone is comfortable with doing, like, a really right. sort That's smart. Honest, slice of honest slice-of-life kind of game, <laughs> <laughs> getting into the nitty-gritty, you know? <laughs> but if everyone is on board with that type of storytelling, I think it could be really interesting to not just spend all of your time um, slaying things, <laughs> right. but to also, you know... Dig into who your characters are and do a little bit more small scale adventures and um, heartfelt conversations, I guess, <laughs> between different players and NPCs. Um, yeah, I think that that kind of like high level of detail in storytelling can either be really boring or really intriguing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think what, what what this story does really well is highlight both of those. Like there are very high stakes pretty much throughout. Mm-hmm. But. You, you you never lose the sense of like okay you have to feed the baby and you have to you know get from point a to point b in a way that doesn't yeah. make you want to kill each other you know, you were, as a family unit.
4: If you had a D game where you were responsible for like the care of an infant, that would change the dynamic a lot. A
0: lot. But it could also be super exciting. Like how how awesome would that be if you're like the MacGuffin is your baby?
4: You'd have to like roll sleight of hand or something to like gently lay the baby into the crib without waking oh, it up.
0: <laughs> That's a good skill to have, yeah. honestly. Not, every, not I mean, I have failed that skill that very often. <laughs>
3: no! I wake you, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely gonna. I'm gonna put that in an episode of Sirens, and the girls are gonna lose their minds. Oh, you totally
0: should. <laughs> to have like them, like tiptoeing around a sleeping kind of just baby, just
3: holding you, like walking around <laughs>
4: like <this. laughs>
0: from the back of the neck, like the skin on the back of the neck. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> I love that. The roguish way to carry a baby <laughs> <laughs> on a ten-foot pole. <laughs>
3: That's not actually how you carry a baby. I I mean, I can.
0: (laughs) I don't think they'll like it. (laughs) There might be some crying involved.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I challenge our viewers out there. To add a child to your game and see what happens and message us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I
0: actually, I just saw, I read a, a supplement on the, the Dungeon Masters Guild that uh, tackled that very thing. I think oh, they really? were like, oh, no one really has rules or, you know, a framework for how to, um, you know, deal with some of these things. And honestly, I think the the author of that might have been inspired by, by a story like yours because mm-hmm. they had, uh, you know, that were magic items that were like... Um, uh, uh, fertility uh, magic items or contraceptive magic <laughs> items, uh, which I was like, "Oh, that's of course." In a d anD D fantasy world, there would be like a necklace of you know, no baby. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably is a lot more reliable. Uh, but like, I mean, it's it's a part of of, of storytelling uh, that is not you know used very much. And I think there's there's a lot of you
3: know fertile ground there. Mm-hmm. Fertile. <laughs> fertile. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, with all the uh, live streams, we've really been seeing all the different kinds of stories that you can tell. And, you know, playing for the last five years or 10 or 15 or 30 or whatever, we've kind of been playing one kind of game, like really high fantasy. You're in a forest, you're in a dungeon. Yeah. But now, by experiencing each other's stories and um, watching it on stream, reading it in a book, watching it on TV, you you can do anything. You can play anything. You know, not only can you be in that forest, but you can go to another dimension. You can go through a portal and be in another plane. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think by telling these stories, uh, we're just influencing people and giving them permission.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um So, in your D&D campaigns, are there any babies?
4: <laughs> uh, we had a guest player once who, yeah, it was a, Baby T flying. oh, <laughs> how cute! Yeah, um, that that was interesting. We did. <laughs> what was it, it like? was her, Well, it was her first time playing, so she thought, "Okay, I'm like a, I'm like the baby of the group, so I'm gonna be this sort of toddler T fling." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, our quest was basically to find her parents and find out why Aww. this baby was like left in the middle of the street. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. And, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be like a challenging but interesting character to role play.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you know you can't do the the crazy daring do uh, of you yeah. know swinging on chandeliers <laughs> when you're a toddler, but you can also do a lot of things that 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 uh, adults can't. You know that yes. could be just as heroic. I mean, I just watched Home Alone uh, over the, <laughs> over the holiday break. You know,
4: but do you act like uh, the way the player? Like, do you do the things the player wants to do or do you act like a realistic toddler who has, like, extremely, like, poor judgment?
0: (laughs) Toddler is tough. (laughs) Definitely would be tough. Uh, But I think, you know, a five, seven-year-old, you know, character, you know, you're. I mean, Mm -hmm. in in the past, you know, seven was, like, the the, the age of maturity, right? Like, they're like, okay, they're able to make decisions, you know, obviously not an adult yet, but, you know, you're, you're at least aware that things are risks. They can and, hold down a yeah. job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the work a day, nine to four, uh, you know, pickpocketing job that they have in Waterdeep or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, like as a toddler might be too, a little too young, but I think seven, yeah, that could work.
3: How did, so what was the weirdest thing that happened during that game?
4: Um,
0: did that player act as it yeah, was I'm an actual to toddler? i trying remember.
4: I think she, she tricked us into a, a bandit ambush by sending us uh, on board, like, the wrong ship. On purpose? <laughs> I don't know if she did it on purpose <laughs> to this day. <laughs> or if she was just being sort of an innocent child. <laughs> <But> <laughs> did she
0: never play again? She was like, I'm Unfortunately, out.
4: Unfortunately, no. <laughs> so, so I guess, I don't know okay, what yes. happened to that poor little seafling child. <laughs> I guess we just lost her again.
0: <laughs> we need to find her. Yep. She's on a different ship. <laughs> Maybe she'll show up in a in a you know issue fifty seven of <laughs> 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 She went on a rocket ship.
4: Yeah, it's a mystery. From the rocket
0: ship forest. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Well, I mean, uh I like your style so much. I think it's gonna be really awesome and I'm really excited about uh potential collaborations with yes. you and Dungeons and Dragons in the future.
4: Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens.
0: Um so we can always potentially edit this out, but Let's talk a little bit about what you might be making. I I, I haven't been in any of your meetings, and I thought we'd we'd love to find out.
4: Well, I was brought down here to Wizards of the Coast for a couple days of meetings to get a tour of the office and say hello to everybody. Uh, And I'm going to be doing sort of a a series of promotional images for the new campaign um, that are going to debut at the big streaming event on May 15th. Uh, so it's looking like they're going to be a series of uh, posters focusing on some of the, the characters from the campaign. Very cool. And uh, sort of their backstory before the players enter the picture.
0: Have you ever done any kind of like promotional posters, stuff like that before?
4: Uh, yeah, I've done sort of this kind of thing before for various different companies or TV shows, things like that. Um, but never for d d which I'm a big <laughs> fan of. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't usually get brought down to the office to actually meet everyone I'm working with face-to-face, so that's been super fun.
0: That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we love doing that. We love bringing people in and having them feel the, the vibe of the office. And also you just get so much more of a collaboration when it's you know back and forth and the ideas are throwing you know in the same room rather than yeah. over a call or something like that.
4: Oh, it's so fascinating to see how all this stuff gets made. And you know, see all the the artists doing their jobs, like all, all of the concept art pinned up on a big wall. Yeah, yeah that's pretty yeah, cool, it's isn't amazing. it? Amazing! <laughs> I love all that stuff.
0: Uh, so yeah, you've been meeting with uh, with with Shauna uh, Wolf Narciso, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Witters, I assume, as well as uh, yep. uh, Sean Wood. Uh, those are the two of our concept artists who, who work on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it been like? I mean, I, I I'm not a fellow artist, so I don't know what it's like to go in and and have people who are embedded in a in a property. Um, you know kind of collaborate with so what's the, is that is that a new experience is that different what's that, what's that like
4: um, yeah it's sort of like um, I guess I could compare it to like guesting on a comic series that's already been established mm. like doing a fill-in issue of like Spider-Woman or something where there's already a continuity everything's already in place but you get to sort of tell a new section of the story you get to put your own little thumbprint on it <laughs> and do it your way to an extent So uh, yeah, it was really cool to come in here and be introduced to the new campaign, um, hear what the setting is all about and the storyline, and then being told that I can sort of draw these characters in my style, my way. I think it'll be a lot of fun to do.
0: Yeah. I think uh, everybody was really uh, inspired by your artwork leading up to this. And then when we started to think about like, oh, maybe she'd be able to do something that could work for this. And then it was, I mean, I can't wait to see... What happens? Because uh, this just—it feels like a collaboration that is a dream for, for for all sides.
4: Yeah, yeah, they've been sort of remarkably easygoing <laughs> to work with.
0: <laughs> is that not always the case when you when you do stuff like this?
4: Uh, well, you know, sometimes if you're doing art for licensed existing characters, it's very important to stay on model and sort of like mm. get every every um, little piece of armor correct, get exactly the right shade for their. Their hair color. Right. Um.
0: <laughs> you can't put like you know pink lipstick on Darth Vader.
4: No, unfortunately. Well, you could. You yeah. no wouldn't really <laughs> show, <should, I> guess.
0: <laughs> now I want to see that. someone so a god
4: to have made that yeah. in yeah. the in the past. <laughs> um, but yeah, they've been um, very easy to collaborate with. Very open. Sweet. Yeah, so I can't wait to draw these characters. I think <laughs> people are gonna love them. <laughs>
0: Um, have you ever done... I mean, I know you've been playing D&D and I just kind of popped in my brain sometimes folks do um, live streaming of of uh, uh, drawing or creating other stuff. Have you ever thought about doing that? I mean, just the way you're talking about your, your process from before about, you know, posing and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Would you ever, <laughs> you know, it might not be a regular thing, but, you know, doing a live stream of you drawing a page of Saga would be really interesting.
4: I haven't done it yet. I think it might be pretty boring. There'd be... A lot of erasing <laughs> starting <laughs> over. <laughs> but if I could edit it down and release a video. Have you ever watched live? other, other folks do that?
0: Like, I mean, I don't know. Did you grow up watching uh, uh, Bob Ross uh, do his paintings? A little
4: bit. Yeah, I've seen tons of live demos at, you know, at cons and at workshops. And it's fascinating to watch. But I would definitely get stage fright, <laughs> I think.
3: Yeah, it's also odd to, like, have people watch you erase. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they just watched me fail. So I'm going <laughs> to yeah. make it right. <laughs> over and, and over again. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it's good for people to see that too, especially when, like, for successful artists, um, newcomer artists, to see someone erasing and then trying it and then going, nope, nope, and then going over and over until they get mm-hmm. it right. That puts it back into their head.
4: Oh, I could do that too. That's true. Yeah. And I have done a lot of drawing demos, um, just never of an entire comic page, which is you know like an entire day's worth of work. <laughs> so.
0: I'd be fascinated. I'd be fascinated just to see it too. But uh uh I guess I and that's part of why maybe I'm not a good drawer is I always I always thought you just do it once and then you're done. Like it's I don't
4: Sometimes it works out that way. I never
0: really was a big eraser. And maybe that's that was it's so someone seeing that and actually being like, "Oh, it's I mean they always say that most of writing is done in, in revision and editing mm-hmm. and things like that. But, you know, there's always that idea that, like, you know, we once you put it down on paper, it's done. It's perfect. It's great. I'm I'm never going to need to revise <laughs> again. Uh, so I think like, it's
4: great that you had the confidence to never erase. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, wait till you see me draw and then you're like, oh, that's why, because it's ridiculous.
4: <laughs> <laughs> when I took, like, one of my first drawing courses in art college, um, a lot of us were nervous artists and perfectionists that would just erase everything, and it would take us forever to get anything down on the page. So one of our first assignments was to put down the pencil and pick up a pen or something permanent, you know, a piece of a piece of uh, pastel or something that can be erased mm. and just force you to just go with it. And if you wanted to correct it, you just have to draw over it and draw it harder. <laughs> yeah. and that was a good confidence builder. Yeah. It lets you first of all. If you erase your mistakes, you don't really see what they were at the end. Mm. But at the end of this process, you have just a big, messy page, and you can see everything you did wrong and everything that you did to correct it. So it's definitely a good learning experience.
3: Yeah. So you don't do it, like, the next time you do fewer mistakes and then fewer, and then the more you do it over and over, and then suddenly you're more confident with that first brush.
4: Yeah. So rather than trying to make the first drawing perfect, just do 20 drawings that get better each time.
0: I mean, now that we work digitally so much now, I wonder if there's a way we you can, like, you know, quickly save right before you erase each time. And then you'd have, like, this, I don't know, you could almost animate that oh. in a way of, like, see it, like, grow and, and, and mm-hmm. and grow and shrink and grow and shrink and grow and shrink until you have, like, the final thing.
3: Control Z. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely do that. Um, in Procreate on the iPad, it automatically records your whole drawing process, and you can watch oh. a neat video of it at the end.
0: <laughs> do you do that often?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: just to get the kind of get that visual, like, it's oh, fun. this is. Weird. Weird. <laughs> yeah. I could see that being a nice reward at the end of the day. Be like, okay, this I'm done with this page, but at least I can see this. Look at that! That's my day. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of cool. It's like me playing the uh, the replay video when I win a game of Civilization. Yeah, just I just have to be like yourself on oh, the back. A little yeah, bit. <laughs> look at that! I took over all the worlds. Look at me. <laughs> I won. I won. This we'll is how it, it all in happened. In <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, you know, other than this amazing collaboration with Dungeons and Dragons and more Saga, what uh, what's on the horizon for 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 you?
4: Oh boy. Um, well, that I you did can a- talk <laughs> about because I, I know that's always
0: a hard question.
4: <laughs> I did a short comic recently for the latest volume of Smut Peddler, <laughs> which is an erotic anthology. Nice. Made by women. Um, I never heard of that. I'm smut- not sure what the peddler? release date of that is, but the title of it is Sex Machine nice, nice. <laughs>
0: my favorite song
4: <laughs> an anthology of uh, robot and AI themed erotic stories
0: it seems on theme with saga <laughs> <Yes>. for sure <laughs> um,
4: other than that let's see I've been trying to just um, write my own stuff for a change working on some short comics oh,
0: that's cool have Absolutely you have you done no writing state for those have you done writing before <laughs> is this no, kind of your first
4: um, well I guess the uh, porn story was the first thing I wrote.
0: <laughs> What's that? So
4: that's my debut. That's the one for Smut Peddler that I oh, okay. just mentioned. Um, and yeah, that was a that was a confidence builder. So I'm trying to do a little bit more writing for practice. Um, yeah, doing this D and D work, doing a few covers for other comics, and. I don't know, I'm playing a lot of video games. <laughs> what are you playing? <laughs> time off. Um, uh, right now I'm finishing up Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Nice. It's very fun.
0: Which, did you, uh, uh, I'm forgetting your name, did you play the girl or the boy?
4: No, I'm playing Alexios, the guy. Oh, okay. Because my husband started playing first and he's playing as Cassandra. Cassandra. So just to get a different experience, I'm playing as Alexios. Interesting. Nice. I find him very charming. I like him very much. I I played
0: Cassandra for like the first uh, like two or three hours, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna so get into this!" And then I got Red Dead Redemption right after that, so I oh. kind of verged into doing that. I'm like, yeah. "I'll pick up Odyssey <laughs> later," uh, because this you know horse game kind of uh, overtook my time.
4: That's next on my list. So. Yeah, just to ride horses. I may never work again. Just to ride horses. <laughs> That's
0: pretty much all I do in the game is just ride horses <laughs> yeah. and hunt.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's like a, a wonderful open world that way. The Prime stuff, you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. But you know.
4: Well, there's more of that small-scale storytelling yeah, that are we talking about. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a and d game where you just ride horses and hunt.
0: <laughs> Do you usually love the uh, the open world kind of stories like that? Is that, is that your, your jam as yeah, far as video games absolutely. go? Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I like almost anything in sort of a fantasy setting, hmm. honestly.
0: Are you like a Final, final Fantasy fan? hmm
4: definitely. Yeah. Um, I played the Dishonored series recently for the first time oh, nice. because I have time off right now, so I'm catching up on everything from like the last five to ten years. <laughs> <laughs> You're like my
0: backlog on yeah. Steam is very large. <laughs> <It's> terrible.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, it is uh, amazing talking to you, and I can't wait to uh, see what comes of this uh, collaboration. Hopefully, we do more and more uh, stuff, and uh, maybe I hope so. I can't, I can't. I can't wait to read the rest of Saga.
4: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Did you have anything else you wanted to throw out there?
3: No, I just really want to hear all about, you know, your art school and <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. Sure. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I guess I should say, how, what's the best way for people to find out about, you, you know, you and your work and, and things that are going forward?
4: Um, Probably the best way is my Instagram, which is just Fiona Staples.
0: I respect. Mm-hmm. I like the, the the name as handle is so much easier. Yep.
4: Yeah. I adopted it early enough that I could grab my own name.
0: (laughs) Yes. Good deal. All right, awesome. Well, everyone follow (laughs) Fiona Staples on uh, uh, Instagram and uh, look for more stuff from uh, D&D and Fiona going forward.
1: Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Oh, jeez.
0: Nobody Tino. even cares about Dungeons & Dragons.
1: <laughs> that ain't true. How <laughs> do we I mean, do any of this? this? Just
0: roll dice and make a pretend.
1: People still do that.
0: <laughs> How many times have you heard that? So many times. I introduce myself to someone. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't lead with what I do, but they ask Greg me. Greg Cheeto, Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, they ask me, and they're like, can you imagine that something like Dungeons & Dragons would need a PR person? <laughs> I was like, "What do What do you do?" I was like, "Oh, okay,
1: Okay, bye bye." Oh See you no later. way! I
0: know, right? Like, what do you? What would you even Merle, have PR about that?
1: Merle said that some guy wherever he buys his groceries is d anD D player. Yeah, and it said something like, "Whoa, well, must be really cool to just sit around and play games all day." Oh, God. And Merle was like, "Oh yeah, must be super cool to just sit around and eat food all day."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the perfect rejoinder. I like that. <laughs> Putting that in my back pocket.
1: I don't know if he ever said that to the guy, but that, that was his thought, and I appreciated that.
0: That is one of those, like, uh, think of it five minutes later mm-hmm. type things. Like, oh, that would have been the perfect
1: comeback. Right. <laughs> I mean, what else would you do working at a grocery store? Honestly,
0: when I did work at a grocery store, that's pretty much all I did. Did you really? I worked in the deli by myself oh, then, at night yeah. in college. And I would just, oh, I would munchies. just be like, I'd be like, slice for you, slice for me, slice for you, <laughs> slice for
1: me. <laughs> can I, can I tell you something that I feel really guilty about? What's that? I used to work at a drugstore uh-huh. in high school, and
0: you were like, pill for you, pill for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I never went to the pharmacy, but every now and again, if something was damaged, then we just put it in a box and like. Wrote it off and I don't know whatever happened to it. Yeah. But sometimes I would walk down the candy aisle with a razor blade (laughs) and I was like, oops, this big M&M's is (laughs) damaged. And then I'd eat them all. (laughs) That's genius. Do you know how many one pound bags of M&M's I consumed by myself when I was in high school?
0: Wow. Um, I'm going to go with uh, 25. At least. That's a lot of pounds.
1: I know. A lot of
0: pounds of MMs.
1: I know. Did they
0: ever catch on? They're like, why? Someone's coming in and cutting up our candy. Well, no, nope. They blame the people unpacking it. Probably, yeah. They're like you and box the, cutters. It, well,
1: that's it was. That's why I used like the same ah. device that we would use to open the box.
0: That's like both devious and super intelligent.
1: Because sometimes it, it happened legitimately, right? And sometimes it didn't. Uh, what's the statute of limitations in New York? <laughs>
0: That's true. You just admitted it on the microphone. Can
1: we delete that, Ryan? Yes. I feel really bad about that. I'm
0: going to go contact that pharmacy. Let's just
1: say that somebody did it.
0: Are you Wait. recording? Are you actually recording? this. Yeah, I'm recording. Okay, good.
1: Okay, so and when when I say, Shelly, you say, Beep! Yeah. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> not me.
0: It wasn't you. It was a friend of yours told me all They're, about their yeah, pound, pounds of M&M's they would eat. But I
1: did eat a lot of m ms
0: They're good. They're, They're so really good. good.
1: Have you had the caramel ones? I don't like those as much. They're pretty good.
0: I like the peanut butter as I my like, jam.
1: Oh, my God. The peanut butter ones are amazing. It's
0: basically like uh, uh, peanut butter explosions each time you open them what in it, your mouth.
1: That peanut butter is like, like not really normal.
0: I know, I almost want to like, break them open and like put that on a sandwich.
1: What is, how do they make that peanut <laughs> Oh, yeah. I want to take a shower so with that peanut butter.
0: <laughs> put the peanut butter in the tasty of treat. I'll give you some m M&M. and M. Can you scrub my dirty feet? <laughs> I'm gonna buy you a red Jeep. <laughs> I just was like, how could I rhyme this going forward? Um this is the best outro I think we've ever recorded. Oh yeah. Let's keep it. Let's this is gold.
1: Keep it. Yeah. This is what's gonna win us a draggy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. Well we wanna accept uh this on behalf of the Academy. Uh you know, I wanna well, thank uh uh my Outstanding
1: Variety Show. <laughs> <laughs> what are we? A podcast? I, I
0: think it's a podcast. I'm not sure. It's it might be de- devolving into something else pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, but it's amazing. And uh, I'm so excited that uh, you were back. Me for, too. For this episode. Woo! Shelly's back, baby! Back! and Better uh, than ever. we'll be coming at you with more episodes uh, going forward.
1: You're going to love it.
0: Where will people uh, find you? If I'll, they wanted to find you. I'll
1: be lingering around the Twitter. At Shelly Moo, excellent. Yeah, find me there. All right, or you can find me. Go back, find me on Facebook at the Shelly Mazenobel Writer page, and you can read my bachelor recaps.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And I'm then, behind
1: already. By the way, that's I haven't right. done the first two, <laughs> but I'll catch up. Don't worry.
0: You will. Yeah. I will. That's right. When you'll have those like in, you know, lightning strike inspiration moments, yeah, like, I'll write up all the recaps oh, for so everything. good. That's so awesome. Good. Uh, Avalon Hill, uh, any fun stuff to report there?
1: Just, just. Betrayal legacy is blowing up the world.
0: Yeah, it is. It's gonna win lots of I think uh, high fives all around the world.
1: High fives from everyone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Shout out to Rob Dabio oh, for making it happen.
1: Thanks, Rob.
0: Doing good stuff.
1: Doing great. Dungeon um, Mayhem. I love How Dungeon many people Mayhem. got it for the holidays?
0: Like 16 million of them.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Yep.
0: Um you wanna talk about Gary Con? You're gonna be there? That's a that's a yes.
1: Are you going to be there?
0: I am going to be there. It'll be fun. Okay. But there might be some at least some Axis and Allies and Zombies yeah. being played there. Yeah. That'll for be sure. there. Yeah.
1: Can't it, wait.
0: It's going to be great. Okay. Um, and if you want to find out anything about uh, me, you can follow me at Greg Tito on Twitter. Uh, I'm doing the Instagram thing as well. Greg underscore Twitter. Twitter. What? I was like between saying and Tito and Titter. Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> You know the things I'm trying to say. If you want to find out about Dungeons & Dragons, though, you can go to <laughs> DungeonsAndDragons.com or uh, Dragon Plus. There's a new issue coming out of Dragon Plus very soon. Uh, you can read all that on your phone, <laughs> what you did on your watch. app. You guys are broken. I'm, I'm steaming through. I'm steaming through. And he's like, how am I going to edit this audio? Ah,
1: you are not editing it. No. <laughs> I love it.
0: It's 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 good. It's, it's <laughs> this is this is draggy material right here. Totally.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Oh, um it's getting hot can
0: in
3: I here. finish this out? I don't even
1: Yet. know if
0: I can. What was I nope. where was I at? Sorry. Uh I don't I'm trying to remember my place. Uh oh, on Dragon Plus. That's right. All right, so uh, Dragon Plus, new issue coming out. It's a thing on your phone. You get it downloaded. New content comes every two months. It's amazing stuff. New content coming soon. And then, of course, if you want to look at that on the web, you can look at it at dragonmag.com. I think we're done here because otherwise we're just going to laugh this all out. So oh all, of these, all of these rocks are, uh, oh, my gosh. Oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. are you okay? We're done.